Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look at the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 463. As your cruise gets closer and you're just a couple days away, there are some important things I think everybody should be doing. And today, I've got the last minute things you should be doing right before your cruise. Here we go. No matter how many cruises I take, the last couple days before my cruise, there's always a little bit of ambiguity as to, am I doing everything I should be leading up to that cruise? Because when you get just days away from your cruise, you start to think about time's running out. What do I need to do before we go? Ideally, you'll plan all these things out months in advance leading up to your cruise. But even myself, I find myself like there's just a lot of juggling in those last couple of days to ensure that I've all got it ready to go. So today I wanted to talk about the last minute things to do up to three days before the cruise. This is the last 72 hours or so before you're going to board your cruise ship. In short, there's a lot of little things to manage. I think by this point, all the big stuff has been taken care of, but the worst feeling is when you realize after you leave home that you forgot something. Even something minuscule can be just as frustrating to forget because it could have been prevented. So in an effort to avoid that, oh no, feeling in the car or plane ride to your cruise ship, I wanted to talk this week about the important things you should do in those last couple days leading up to your cruise. Not everything can wait for the last couple days. So if you neglected your passport expiration date up until now, or you didn't book your shore excursions up until now, you may be out of luck in that regard. But I wanted to talk about some of the littler things that everybody should be doing in those last couple days. Number one, make sure you do everything in the online check-in. If you want to have the online check-in process, be as fast as possible in the cruise terminal, and you want to get on board the ship as quickly as possible, do everything in the online check-in. Basically, in those last couple days, when you go to edit your check-in, either number one, check-in to begin with, number two, make sure you've got green check marks for everything, travel info, arrival time, your vaccination record may take a little while to get validated, but make sure that's at least processing. And then, of course, in the last day or so, you want to have that health and safety report in there as well. You can complete the online check-in even the same day of your cruise, but if you're about two or three days before your cruise, well, take advantage of it now. If you do wait to start the online check until two or three days before your cruise, well, you're probably going to be out of luck at getting an early check-in time, but it's better late than never, and it's still worth doing, so... That's definitely number one. Number two, I am guilty of probably every, I don't know, every other cruise I forget to do this, which is actually print out luggage tags. It's amazing how I always remember that they're there, but those last couple of days, I never remember to actually log in and print them. It's just one of those things that always slips my mind into the I'll do it later category. And then we end up wasting time at the terminal with the porters writing up ones for each particular piece of luggage. So what you want to do is log into the cruise plan and print out your luggage tags on your computer. You're going to need to do this on your computer, not via the Royal Caribbean app. But basically, you'll find them when you click on View Boarding Pass. Some people offer luggage tag holders, which can be really helpful. I don't think you can buy these, you know, two or three days before your cruise. But these are little plastic holders you can put your luggage tags in. You can find them on Amazon and a variety of other places. But actually printing out your luggage tag, again, it will save you time. And in some ports, remember, Port of Los Angeles, man, it was quite a process to get, you know, handmade luggage tags. So do yourself a favor, print them out. Number three, take out cash from the bank. While Royal Caribbean cruise ships are cashless, you're still going to need at least some cash for your cruise. Some instances where cash will be important is going to be tipping porters, anything you do in the casino, tipping cabana attendants, tipping shore excursion guides, and extra tips for crew members. In short, you're going to need it for gratuities above and beyond what's included with your cruise fare, even if you already did the automatic gratuities. Now, how much cash you really need depends on your plans on board, on shore, and how many people are with you on board your cruise. Because inevitably, when I talk about tipping rates, I would say it's per person, right? You're going to tip more on a family of four than a family of two. And by the way, there is a way to get cash on board your ship if you forget. There's an onboard ATM machine, and there's also the ability to withdraw cash 
from the casino against your CPAS account, but there are extra fees with both of these. So do yourself a favor and go, like I said, about a day or two before your cruise, go to your local bank, and that way there's no fees involved and you get the cash that you need. Again, not the end of the world if you go over and you need more cash on board, you can do so, but I do think it's a really good idea to get at least some cash beforehand so that way you're only taking out cash on board in more of an emergency situation if it were to arise. But the bottom line is you're going to need at least some cash, especially for shore excursions. Again, people are going to say, well, how much cash do you need? It really runs the gamut. And I always tell people, you know, I think $100 uh, per port or per day, if you want to look at it that way, is a good starting point. You're going to need more cash in ports than you will on sea days. In fact, on sea days, the only thing you really need cash, and I actually would have recommend not only getting, you know, bigger bills, but small bills, is for tipping. One of my favorite things to do because I have diamond drinks or I have the drink package is I like to give a dollar per drink or per order that I do to the waiters that are there. There's two reasons for this. Number one, if I'm using my diamond drinks, those waiters don't necessarily get the same money as a drink package. I'm not because hundred percent sure on this, but I don't know. It just makes me feel better. So I'll tip my dollar on those drinks. But even if I have the drink package and gratuity is included with the drink package, tipping a little bit really goes a long way to the crew members with cash. I mean, and it really lets you stand out from the pack. Maybe you get better service. Maybe you get an extra drink or two if you're on a limited amount like diamond drinks, or maybe it just brings them a smile and that's all worth it as well. So there's really good reasons to bring cash on board. Next on my list, well, we talked about some things you have to do via the app. So if you don't have the app already, download the Royal Caribbean app. It's critically important to do so. It just makes your life so much easier. Look, I understand there's a lot of people out there who are like, I don't want to use my phone on my vacation. I put it away. I don't want to use my phone. I understand. But remember, using your phone for the Royal Caribbean app is different than using your phone to check your work email. They are not exactly the same thing. And if nothing else, have your phone with the Royal Caribbean app installed, at least for embarkation day. You can get into your cabin put it in your safe and never use it again. But it's so important to have the app downloaded on your phone. Do so beforehand. You can download the app on board the ship via Royal Wi-Fi. You don't even need an internet package to do so, but it's gonna be really slow. So don't wait for that. Do it at home. It's gonna be a whole lot better. And then of course, there's everyone's favorite thing to do before a cruise, and that is pack. I am a night before the cruise kind of packer. There are some people that pack two days before the cruise, a week before the cruise, but if we're talking about last minute things to do, like up to three days before your cruise, well, you gotta make sure you are packed. And no matter what your strategy is, if you're using packing cubes, if you just throw a bunch of stuff in your suitcase and hope that it works, you just make sure you bring at least some clothes with you, you know, using a packing list or just going off memory. There's a, like a bazillion strategies for packing. But I also recommend in those last like two days, start a list, maybe like on your phone or actually a piece of paper of things that you can't pack yet, but you're going to need to bring with you. This is like the number one stuff I always forget. So things like phone chargers, your toiletries, your toothbrush, important medication, razors, contact lens solution. These are the things that you're using and you're going to need it all the way up until the day you leave. So it's important to remember those things so you can use them that morning and then pack them away. I think it's a good idea to have a list of those items. And also be sure to pack a carry-on bag to bring all those important things with you during the check-in process. So carry-on bag is huge. So you got your, your regular luggage, which has all your stuff in it, right? But also a carry-on bag, like a backpack or smaller bag, a sling, something you put all your important documents in, like your COVID tests and your passports and all those, you know, important documents you're going to need cash, right? That can all go in there. Speaking of COVID tests, you're going to need to take your COVID-19 test. And as of the date of recording of this podcast, this could all change in the future. But for the time being, Royal Caribbean still requires everybody to have a negative COVID test. As you may be aware, beginning in early August, vaccinated folks will not need to take a COVID-19 test for short cruises. But regardless of the policy, you know, make sure if you need a negative COVID test, you take it with you. In fact, 
even if it's not required, it is still recommended to do so just as a safeguard to make sure you're not traveling for absolutely no reason. So which test and when to take it can depend on if you're cruising out of Europe or not, but you're going to need to get the COVID test done. And if you do need to get it done, make sure you have it already scheduled and taken care of. Now, this is the reminder to take it two or three days before your cruise. But if you're doing it in person, like at a pharmacy, well, you're going to want to schedule it ahead of time. So make sure you schedule it and then make sure you take it. And if you didn't, if you forgot about this, an oopsie, well, now you got to rush to figure out a place to get it done at the last minute. Your best bet is to take tests as early as you can, just in case your result is inconclusive or it comes back positive. You want to test again. So something to keep in mind as it relates to that. But one more thing about the COVID test. You did your test. Everything's great. Now, one more thing. Print it out, just like your luggage tags. It is so much easier to show a printout of your COVID test than try to use a digital copy on your phone. Let me be clear. You can absolutely show them the copy of your COVID test on your phone, but it tends to be very clunky on your phone. You got to go from test to test, especially if there's more than one person. You're going into the you know message, out of it. it. It just takes much longer than a printout of it. And while I'm all about digital and making your life easier with, with computers and electronics, I, I got to tell you, I think you're actually better off with a printout of your COVID test. Next up, take your passport and COVID vaccine cards with you. So I always joke with my wife, there are only two things we absolutely cannot leave behind in order to go on a cruise. And those are passports and the COVID vaccine cards. Everything else we can buy somewhere else near the cruise terminal. That includes underwear. So pack your passport and proof of vaccine, then double check they're there again. And then when you're backing out of your driveway, check that they're all there again one more time. I just can't stress enough. These are the two most critical things you need and you can't get on the cruise ship Without it, heck, you could forget your COVID test and still take another COVID test at the cruise terminal or nearby the cruise terminal, I should say. But, you know, these two things, the passport and the vaccine card, you cannot reproduce. Something else that's worth checking, and I say with a grain of salt, but that is check the weather again. Now, if there are any meteorologists listening to this, I apologize in advance. I don't want to, no personal insult to you, but personally, I don't put much faith in weather forecasts more than maybe a couple days out. So you'll want to check the weather forecast one more time, ideally the day before the cruise. I know it's very tempting when you get like a week before your cruise, it can be very tempting to check the long-term forecast. And it's great, but it's probably not going to be that accurate. So you want to check it like a day or two beforehand. So that way if you have to adjust your packing. In the winter months, cold fronts can bring all sorts of changes to temperatures, even in the tropics. Be sure to check the weather for when you come home as well, if you can, because you might be comfortable leaving. But if it's snowing when you return and you've only got a hoodie, that can be a problem. If your cruise is in the summertime, don't worry too much if the forecast says it will rain every day of your cruise. It might, but only for brief downpours and it'll go back to being sunny. Long-term, when you're talking about summertime in the tropics, it rains very briefly and it's just not an all-day soaker, basically. Something else to remember is to bring any wine or drinks, soft drinks, that you want to bring on board your ship. As you may or may not know, Royal Caribbean allows you to bring up to two bottles of wine and 12 cans or bottles or whatever of non-alcoholic beverages with you on embarkation day. And you can also bring pre-packaged snacks as well if you'd like to. Bring your own wine, soda, or chips can save you money on buying the same things on board the ship, assuming they're available. So you want to bring them in your carry-on luggage. Don't put them in any bag that goes to the porters to be checked because it could be flagged by security for looking suspicious. Not to mention the fact you don't want someone flinging the bag and one of those bottles exploding. So buy it if you didn't buy it already. Put it in your carry-on bag and bring it with you. The next item on my list is if you booked any outside shore excursion, you should print out confirmations you may have. A lot of third-party tour operators require a paper printout, especially at an all-inclusive pass. I know that if you rent anything from resortforaday.com, which I'm a big fan of, they require paper printouts and they will not take digital ones. So if you're booking third-party tours, you should print them out. If you book the excursions to Royal Caribbean, 
You don't really need to do this. Uh, you'll have your tickets waiting for you in your stateroom. But if you booked something on your own, it's a good idea to have a printout for that one. Also, you want to make sure you fill out the health questionnaire. About 24 hours before your check-in time opens, you should complete the health questionnaire. To access it, just go to the Royal Caribbean app and edit your check-in. You'll see the questionnaire to click on and complete. This will save you from every single person in your group having to answer a dozen yes or no questions in the terminal. Trust me, every time I say, ah, it'll be fine, we'll do it in the terminal, I always regret it. It just takes way too long. So do it in the app. It's much faster. And the last thing I have on my list to do the last couple of days before your cruise is to charge your devices. You're going to want to have your phone on full power the day of your cruise as well as the day you fly. So your phone is going to be used a lot in the check-in process, and it's a really good idea to charge it fully the night before your cruise. I don't know if you always charge your devices every day or only when it needs power, but make sure it's fully charged for when you go to the cruise terminal so you're good to go. So there you go. There's my list of the things you should do the last couple of days before your cruise. I hope this will save you a, oh, no, I forgot about it moment. Assuming, of course, you listen to this episode and then remembered everything that was in the episode. But hopefully this will save you some time because I got to tell you, this list comes from bad past experience. Time to answer some listener emails. This is part of the episode where people who listen to the podcast, like you, get to send me an email and I read it over here to be answered. And if you always want to send me an email, you can always do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email is from Karen. Hi, Matt. I know you'll be talking more about your COVID experience on your podcast, but I was hoping you could share a little more details about your personal protocols when you were off the ship. Did you wear a mask on the airplane and when you were on the buses and stuff in port? We're heading out in two and a half weeks trying to do everything we can to manage this thing that's really unmanageable. I appreciate if you could throw in that in as far as the extra protocols you took off the ship. We're definitely going to be masking while on board. Thank you so much for being so candid with all of us. Your content is extremely valuable. Well, Karen, thank you for the uh, email. I really appreciate it. So basically, I, and we talked about this in the, Karen's on this email, by the way, uh, the week before I talked about the extensive things that I talked about with COVID when I had on Serenade of the Seas. But she's to her point, I didn't talk about what happened, like the personal protocols off the ship. So when we were escorted off the ship, we had to wear our masks uh, through the terminal and, um, you know, basically all the way out there. So um, I wore my mask. Yes, I wore a mask. Uh, when we got basically we all wore our mask, the whole family wore a mask going through the terminal. Once we got to our rental car, we all wear, wore our masks still. Uh, we were in the car together. It's an enclosed environment. And when you drive on the highway, we want the air conditioning on because it's just too loud to have the windows open. I think I cracked the window open just to get a little bit of airflow, but we had our masks on for that. We drove to the place we were staying. We drove across the border. Uh, and then we got to the place we were staying in Washington. And then I basically just isolated myself, essentially, Karen. Uh, and so that was the nice thing is we had enough space for that. I was able to stay in one room and the family was in another. And then we just kind of kept our personal space there. So that didn't require any more masks. And when we flew home, uh, once again, we wore our masks on there out of respect for everybody else. You know, one of the things we were cognizant of was looking at what the CDC recommended, which was basically once I did not have a temperature anymore that didn't require medication to control. It's basically, you know, not kind of like when I have Tylenol and it brings temperature down that I'd be safe to, you know, with a mask, able to travel. And actually we just lucked out in that one. I'm not sure what would have happened if we didn't, but um, as luck would have it by the time we stayed about five days or four or four, I forget which one it was, four or five days um, in Washington. And then we were, uh, when it was time for our flight that I had booked, my symptoms had improved quite a bit. So I wore my mask, flew home, and then I spent a couple more days away from my family just to be safe because I was still coughing up a lot, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it wasn't a great experience. Uh, I certainly wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to wish it on anybody, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And my hope is that I never have to do it again in the sense that the, you know, things will improve to, with the virus and 
know, some of the, uh, what's the word, uh, treatments. There you go. That's what I'm trying to think of. So, you know, it is what it is. But hopefully, Karen, that helps you out there. And that other episode also shed some more light on what to expect. Thank you for the uh, email there. Next email is from Rebecca. Hi, Matt. How strict is Royal Caribbean's policy on not being more than 23 weeks pregnant on a cruise? We're planning a bucket list trip for August in Alaska in June 2023. We're also planning to start a family in 23. If I were to become pregnant in January, I could be a week or two off from 23 weeks. Does Royal Caribbean require a medical documentation stating your due date or is it the honor system? So Royal Caribbean's policy is basically that any guest who will have entered her 24th week of pregnancy or greater at any time during the cruise will be prohibited from sailing. This is for your safety, by the way. This isn't like Royal Caribbean being the not fun police. Like if something were to happen, they don't have any treatment for being able to mitigate it, right? And at that point, again, I'm not a doctor here, so I'm not going to speak from experience or anything like that. Basically, the risks are significantly higher, and we're talking about, you know, a significant health risk here. So my recommend, if you were a week before, if you were at the, you know, 23rd week or something like that, that's within the confines of the rule. But if you're going to bleed over into the 24th week or, or anything beyond that, I just think you're playing with fire there. And I just want to recommend, I do believe it is the honor system. I'm not sure if they can ask you on the spot. Excuse me, madam. You know, how many, you look to be pregnant. How many weeks are you? I mean, that just seems like a problem waiting to happen for a lot of reasons. But um, I, I think Rebecca, ultimately you should, two things. Number one, talk to your doctor before you cruise. That's number one. Number two, you know, if you feel still good about it, you know, make sure if you're, you know, within that, not passing that 23 week window that you're good to go. So, you know, again, I'm not your, I'm not, I can't tell you what to do. I can only say what Royal Caribbean's policy is, but it's not because Royal Caribbean doesn't want people on there. Again, they're not trying to be the fun police. This is about your health and, and risks and significant risks at that. So I think in this situation, you want to adhere to that protocol no matter what. Thanks for the email. Our next email is from Matt in Maryland. Hey, Matt, longtime reader, podcast listener. Thanks for all the hard work. We're cruising on Oasis in October, and I've been watching drink package prices like a hawk. I noticed the rack rate or onboard prices are higher than what you've listed earlier. Specifically, the deluxe beverage package is $98 a day, refreshments $34 a day, and soda package $13.50. Have you noticed these rack rate prices going up? Do they vary by ship or season? The question is unrelated to savings and prices in the cruise planner, which we know fluctuates every couple weeks based on sales, tides, moon phases, and whether Mercury is in retrograde. Also, something not mentioned on the beverage package webpage that you have is does the refreshment package include Johnny Rocket milkshakes and Vitality Spa smoothies? Are there any other hidden items in their refreshment package that they could benefit from? Thanks. I'm going to answer your, your second questions earlier because it's actually easier. The refreshment package does include Johnny Rocket's milkshakes and Vitality Spa smoothies, assuming they don't have any protein powder in them. So there you go. In terms of the drink package price, yeah, I mean, they've been going up in price. There's no doubt about that, Matt. Ever since Royal Caribbean started restarting cruises this year, or last year, I should say, the prices have been steadily going up. And this year, 2022, they've really been going up there. That You're not alone in noticing that. But there's still very much the rule that the price does vary from ship to ship and sailing to sailing. So, you know, Matt, your cruise might see price X. I might see price Y. And somebody else might see price Z. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. But generally speaking, yes, prices are absolutely up. Uh, from what they were. I mean, generally speaking, that's what most things do over time. But Royal Caribbean is definitely taking advantage of it. I mean, we're seeing this across the board with a lot of things. And, you know, this is one of those situations where as much as we love Royal Caribbean, we have to remember they are a for-profit company. And like all for-profit companies, when demand starts to really go up, they're going to respond to it accordingly. And they're in here to make as much money as possible, return to, you know, in the, the investment of their shareholders, right? I mean, this is, you know, business 101. And obviously as consumers, 
we don't have to love it. Uh, we don't have to like it, you know, and for a lot of people, the drink package price now is starting to get to a point where people start thinking, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is worth it anymore. It really depends. I When we went to Alaska on Serenade of the Seas, I didn't get a drink package at all. I didn't think it was worthwhile. However, full disclosure, I'm Diamond Plus and Crown and Anchor Society. And the fact that I get five drinks a day is a huge value. Now, if you're a gold member in Crown and Anchor Society, you're brand new to cruising. That's a whole different issue altogether. But at the end of the day, it's all about that investment. And I tell people about the other thing, if you want a compelling reason to still get the drink package, even at $100 a day, which is a price that is quite high. In fact, the highest I've ever seen it, right? $100 a day for the deluxe beverage package. You know, you're still talking about, uh, let's call it eight cocktails a day. If you're drinking pure cocktails, like, you know, not, I'm not even talking about the, the coffees and waters and juices included. Pure cocktails, eight cocktails a day. Now, that sounds like, man, that's a lot to drink. I never drink eight drinks a day at home. Of course, I don't drink more than about two drinks at home on most days. In fact, all days, I just don't do that. But on your own vacation, a little bit different. Wake up in the morning, have a Bloody Mary, have a couple of drinks in the afternoon, lunchtime, you know, dinner time, evening drinks. It's a lot easier than you think to break even on that, but not everybody can do that. Anyway, the point is, is that there's still a value proposition to it, but if the drink package price is simply out of your range where you're thinking there's no way I can really break even quote unquote to make it worthwhile, then remember you can always buy drinks individually. You know, if you're not going to spend $98 a day on drinks, just pay for your drinks as you go. Um, I, I think that a lot of people have become so preoccupied with the drink package that they almost seem like if I can't get a drink package, I can't drink on the cruise. It's like, no, you can still drink on the cruise without the drink package. You just have to, you know, pay for them as you go. And that's something that we did for many, many years before the drink packages were even a thing on there. You can drink on shore and save some money. There's a lot of strategies to get around the drink package. So uh, let me, going back to your question, Matt. Yes, the drink package rate has gone up. I think it will continue to go up. There's just a lot of people who are buying drink packages. Real Caribbean in their earnings statements every quarter since the cruising has restarted have said that people are spending way more money on all these add-ons for cruise than they've ever had before. So as a result, prices are going up because they're saying, hey, we're going to cash in on this because we took out like billions of dollars in loans. We need to pay that money back. And, you know, I think they would still probably do this anyway if they weren't billions of dollars in debt. But, I, you know, this is just... I mean, this is a smart business from a business dollar cent standpoint. I'm not talking about customer loyalty and, and all that. It's a whole different ballgame. Don't send me your emails about Matt, you know, the customers and alienation and all. Uh, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying from a profit for profit business standpoint, this is the model that they're using. This is the profit model that every company uses doesn't make it right but we've got to remember that as consumers that at the end of the day as much as we love Royal Caribbean they're still a for-profit company so something to keep in mind by the way Matt I'm going to update that article just to make sure that it's a little clearer that some of the prices are a little bit different than maybe what we've seen in the past so thank you for the reminder on that one next up we have an email from my good friend Robert from Australia uh, glad you're feeling better thought we would share our thoughts on how you have helped us decide not spending more money on travel insurance. We preface this below with travel insurance in Australia is very different for the US and Canada. We were sad to hear that you contracted COVID while on your family cruise, more so as it was an Alaska cruise. We have read and heard about people's experiences about catching COVID while on a cruise, but like reviews, it wasn't until we had details from a trusted source, such as yourself, that we could use your details to better help us make a decision. Your blog posts and podcasts were detailed and of course, enjoyable. Now we fully understand that your experience may be completely different should we find ourselves in the same unfortunate situation. We bought an annual policy with cruise cover through Covermore backed by Allianz 
back in last December 2021. At the time, it had limited COVID coverage. And while we were fully covered on land, not so much on the ships. At the time, we took the chance with a number of sailings in January and February 2022, knowing that Royal Caribbean seemed to be doing a good job with quarantining on the ship. Needless to say, it would have thrown travel plans in a disarray, but we felt comfortable enough we would be looked after and most likely still be on the ship. Covermore has now updated their policies to include additional cruise ship COVID coverage, and they offered us to cancel our policy, prorate the remaining time, and issue a new policy. Like all the insurance companies, they give in one hand and take from another. So many dollar values have gone down, such as the current coverage was for cancellations and or if we caught COVID on land, we're covered for up to $60,000, whereas the new coverage is only $5,000. The difference is if we got COVID on the cruise ship, the insurance will pay out the out-of-pocket expenses for transfers, hotel, and airfare change fees. Land covers the same with less dollars. The new annual policy is nearly $4,000 and the old policy was about $2,200. They offered us a prorated amount of $1,600, so we wouldn't need to pay another $2,400. When you sit down and compare the product disclosure statement to the two policies, we concluded our current policy has far more in terms of accident or catching COVID while on land, and the new policy only offers coverage for the items that Royal Caribbean already offers, such as cancellation, period of lost compensation, hotel transfer, and a possible option to stay on board. We've decided that we'll save our money, keep the existing policy. Thank you, Matt, for all that you do. It's a great medium for information, and in our case, a money saver, and we can feel more comfortable traveling to Hawaii for upcoming Trans-Pacific in October. Robert, thanks for the email. There's one thing I want to add. First of all, I think everything, you, your, your logic, totally sound, everything makes sense here. One thing you want to keep track of, Robert, make sure that leading up to your cruise, that Royal Caribbean's policy that I fell under does not change by the time that you sail. Royal Caribbean can change their policies all the time. So just keep an eye on it just to make sure that you're not caught with your pants down, so to speak, as it relates to the policy changing. And oops, we didn't know about it, right? So just you know, keep referring to it, making sure you're, you're crystal clear on that. And I think you're good to go. But hey, you did the right thing. You're assessing your risks, you're assessing your your situation and what you think is the right thing to do, which is, by the way, what I tell everybody to do when it comes to travel insurance. You know, oftentimes we talk about should we get travel insurance and all this stuff, and I tell people all the time, I, I will never sit here and tell you everybody should get travel insurance. There are some people who just simply don't need it for whatever reason, right? Uh, they're financially well off, their risks are extremely low, you know, there's a lot of reasons why, but you have to assess it for yourself. And Robert did a great job of doing so. So, and, and you know, and, and that, that's the most important thing right there. So appreciate that. Our last question today is from Tammy. Hi, Matt, longtime listener. I'm doing a nine day cruise on, well, she wrote AOS. So it could be adventure or allure or anthem. Probably not allure, but anthem, I'm going to guess. Anyway, Bermuda, San Juan, Labadee, and St. Martin. I was re-listening to one of your podcasts about St. Martin. Can you provide more information about what to do there? And also, what do you recommend for places to eat in St. Martin to try local food? You mentioned a place on the French side. Regarding Labadee, I've never been there before. Can you walk to the beach there and find chairs? We need to book an excursion for it. Thanks for all your help. Once again, I'll start from the last question first. For whatever reason, they're always easier to start that way. Uh, yes, uh, in Labadee, you can just simply walk around. It's like Coco Key, Tammy. It's just fun. There's beaches, a bunch of chairs. You don't need any reservations or excursions to book. So walk off the ship. You'll find plenty of spots there. In terms of what to do in St. Martin, I like to do a little potpourri. I like starting off the day. I would get just, honestly, taxis. Uh, I would go first to uh, Grand Case. So uh, Grand Case is on the French side. Originally, years ago, I would have recommended Orient Beach. I, I, I'm not sure exactly what the state of Orient Beach is. There was basically a hurricane that came through uh, a number of years ago, and the French side was far slower to repair their stuff, including Orient Beach, than the Dutch side. 
So you might ask the taxi driver if Orient Beach is okay or what the status of it that is. Either Orient Beach or Grand Case. The reason I like Grand Case a little bit more is Grand Case is a smaller beach than Orient Beach, but there's like a little, it's a little town. That's the name of the town, Grand Case. And literally behind it is a beach. And so you've got the beach, you've got hotels, you've got restaurants. It's a nice little contained area for that. So I'd recommend that if you want to get some local food and enjoy the beach as well. And then after that, take another taxi, go to maybe Maho Beach, which is the beach where the airplanes land. And see, I think if you see one or two airplanes land, you've seen them all. Like, you don't need to be there all day. And the beach is nothing special. So I'd go there and then take a taxi back to the port or maybe to downtown uh, Phillipsburg and do some shopping before you head back to the ship. So that'd be my recommendation for you, Tammy. Hopefully that answers your questions. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Uh -huh. If you'd like to send me your email, you can always do so by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. This has been Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.